Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to, or welcome back to, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. This is episode number 509, and because it is the first Thursday of November, we all know that the first Thursdays, those episodes are co-produced in partnership with the Austin Technology Council. The ATC is the largest tech industry organization in Central Texas. They empower members by using insights, resources, and connections so that their members can succeed and thrive. So this conversation is going to be with one of those companies who is a supporter and a member of the Austin Technology Council. And we have with us today, Jason Rigoli, and he is a people analytics consultant with a company called Your Six. Now, I love this company because Veterans Day is coming up and it was founded by a Army Ranger guy who did multiple tours named Doug Quitmeyer. And he couldn't be with us today because he is out promoting he is out promoting all the great things that this company does. So, Jason, thanks for stepping in and being here today on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom, and, and thank you to the ATC as well for setting this up. It's a, a great thing to be part of. Yeah, the Austin Technology Council, they have been a great partner. We started doing uh, one of my shows a month, co-produced with them, and uh, these are the most listened-to shows of the month because uh, we have a really big following from the Austin community who tune in to hear uh, some of the great local stuff that is going on. So thank you again to ATC, and thank you to Jason. Uh, let's talk a little bit. What is your six? Tell everybody, because uh, I don't really read bios. I like you to tell us who is your company. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, you know, we were founded to to you know help support veterans, and so what we've built is a cloud-based system to enhance talent management performance and organizational effectiveness. So all, all those fancy words basically means you know what we're doing is taking you know the money ball uh, of of talent management, being able to use <laughs> data and metrics to help support uh, the hiring process. Uh, you know, the key uh, the key differentiator, the key thing about your six is that we, in our little black box, uh, we've built a system that can take an army uh, or, you know, any military record, uh, the DD-214, and, and convert that into business competencies. You know, what does a Medal of Valor mean? You know, there are lots of things that that entails, you know, leadership, courage, things that that can be determined into the, the workforce. So th this is the system that we've built, and it's an ongoing uh, life cycle, if you will, uh, a living thing that, that new modules come online month after month with different needs. Well, I know because I have worked with several people who are transitioning from the military to the work world, whether they're officers or enlisted. And one of the big problems that people face is sort of how do you translate those skills that mean, you know, it's sort of like shorthand in, in the, the services. Everybody knows what it means. Everybody knows what you can do, you know, if you happen to have a certain certification or if you had a certain rank. But nobody really in the work world really knows what that means. And so how did Doug sort of come up with this idea? What was the background that he had that said, aha, this is a need that we need to fill? I mean, very similar to uh, what I understand for most entrepreneurs is, you know, they, they went through something and they, and they, they saw a gap and, and they decided to fill it. So Doug himself, um, retiring from the military, going out into the work world, 
you know, writing hundreds and hundreds of resumes, sometimes, you know, for exactly the same job, but rewording it for different companies for the same role, being told by the, you know, the systems of the day that he was only good for security guard work or being an exterminator salesman because they didn't understand what his military record meant in the corporate world. And there was a risk. There was a risk to them because of their lack of understanding to take a chance um, to go in blind, if you will. And so he said, you know, I need to figure out some way to 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 solve this. So he we got together with some, some tech folk in in Austin and was able to create this parser that takes the DD214 and puts it into natural language processing and comes out with a resume, a corporate resume. And then he realized, you know, that's only half the equation. Where we're where we've got a great thing now. What about the other side of it? What are what do businesses care about? And so the other side of the the system we built is being able to take a company and their job and the manager and understand what are the requirements for that exact position working for Tom, for example. And now we can take the what we've learned about the veteran and match it to what is required for the role. And now you're cooking with gas. You've got yourself a, a both-sided system. And we call this we call the system Lillian. Uh, Lillian is named after Lillian Gilbreth, who was uh, commonly known as the, the mother of industrial organizational psychology, which is really the study of workplace behavior of organizations and teams. So it's, it's a little quirky thing that we did there, that Lillian, Lillian is, <laughs> is the system that does all this for us. I always like to hear the little backstories because every now and then companies do a really good job with, with naming products that way. Or when I go into physical locations, oftentimes, you know, I'll look at the conference room names and they often are some things. It's <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. And I love the backstories on that. That's great. So Jason, uh, how how long has the company been ex- in existence, and how long have you been part of the company? So, so Zero uh, Six has been around since 2016, going through the iterations of Lillian and building it up. Um, I've been I've been working with the company since May, um, and officially uh, here uh, in Austin as of September. Nice. And so, your actual title is People uh, Analytics Consultant. What what does that mean? What do you do? Yeah. So, I mean, the there are many definitions of people analytics. The way I look at it is really being able to take uh, data on people and, and make make better business decisions on it. So, you know, the worlds of finance and marketing have, have been making predictions and making decisions based on data that they extrapolate. Um, and so, being, we should be able to do the same thing for for talent management. And that's what people analytics is about. Um, we're looking at one person and one role. The Lillian system can handle it. We're looking at departments and organizations as a whole. Uh, myself and my team uh, will get involved where we're going to look at, you know, what's the culture of this group? You know, you know, who's retiring in the next 10 years and who do we have to fill that? And let's get ahead of this by bringing university grads in so we can train them up to be ready in 10 years. And so these are the kind of things that's a bit more of a macro view. Uh, if you want to put one stamp on me, I mean, you know, the, what, what, I would, what I do here is it's about revenue growth. It's about growing the business and expanding and being the client advocate. Um, being their guide or Sherpa through their talent management journey. So there's a couple of different ways of spinning it. So what's your background? What did you do before you got to your six? I've been in the talent management space for, for a decade now, working working in people analytics, so a uh, subject matter expert in my field. Um, I'm one of these unique guys who has the, the background from the from from the, from the business side, going to business school, um, and also I've worked and been trained with PhDs uh, um, from from some former organizations. So I, I, I play a lot of bridge, uh, play a bridge, a translator role myself between the science statistics folks and the business folks in the C-suite who, who want to see things change on the bottom line. And so, you know, that's where my background has come. A lot of hands-on experience combined with business school. So have you worked always with entrepreneurial adventure, ventures or did you work with some bigger companies? 
Um, I've, I've worked entrepreneurial, uh, you know, from, from my early days when I opened my own company to working with smaller mid-sized organizations. I find the nimbleness um, and the creative process at those small organizations allows me to, you know, spread my wings or, or uh, you know, allow, allow me to, to make, make uh, more impactful changes than, you know, what I call the large organizations. I refer to them sometimes as a battleship. It's quite difficult to get them to turn and, and your impact is, is, is uh, more difficult to recognize. So that was going to be sort of my next question is what do you love about working for an entrepreneurial company? But you may have already answered that. What, what, what is it that gets you up in the morning and says, yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I'm here is because of, is because of the passion that's in this organization, starting with Doug and moving down the ranks of, of everybody here. You know, we're, we're, here, we're here to do something good. I mean, we're here to support uh, our military and, and find, you know, if we can, you know, put a dent in, 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 in some of the suffering that they're going through coming back, then, then that is, uh, that is a, a huge win for us. So you know, being able to earn or earn these dollars from wherever we get them and then funnel that back into, uh, you know, PTSD clinics and, and things along those sides to really support, you know, get, getting them, uh, getting roles and jobs set up for folks is, is only the beginning. It takes one less thing off their plate, but there's also a lot of integration that that's involved. Uh, you know, there, there's some companies that, that we're working with and want to support that are doing altered, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, PTSD um, therapy. And so things like that. That is where the, this is why I'm here at this place uh, and, and, and why I came, you know, I moved down here from Canada. So it, it's, a, it's one of those interesting uh, passion projects that, that, you know, there's other ways to make money, but this is something that I really believe in. So you're new to Austin. And of course, this episode is co-sponsored with the Austin Technology Council. What are you discovering about the Austin business community, especially sort of this world of tech? What, what's special about Austin? I think it's I think it's an, an incredible place. I mean, we're everything's booming here. Um, I met with Amber last week, and, and you know, she, she you know, as she runs the organization there, just just very helpful, and her team very helpful. Um, but what I do notice, I mean, coming from Toronto, Canada, you know, it's much more of a New York style of business, very you know, pretty stuffy and corporate. And here is much more laid back. Things are getting done at at a faster pace with less red tape. From my point of view, I mean, I, I'm not going to knock any of these other cities, but it's a difference. I mean, the three-piece suit is not mandatory in the city, huh. uh, and, and 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 you know, the I, I don't even know deck. that I don't even know that they sell them in this city. <laughs> yeah, and the corporate slide deck is something that you know people don't think about. So it's one of these interesting things. I mean, I prefer this laid-back style of uh, of business, and, and I find more things get done this way because you know you, you know you believe in each other, and then you make make a reason to make it work. And so uh, I'm definitely. Uh, I'm happy with this choice and uh, happy with the with all the support we're getting from folks like yourself and, and, and Amber in the ATC. So it's interesting because I've worked in and around the technology. I've never worked for like a tech startup, but I sold into the tech startups working for several services companies uh, now more than a decade ago. I've worked for myself for a long time, but I often get brought into these local companies for like uh, team meetings, like a sales kickoff or an annual team meeting. And one of the things I like about sort of the Austin tech scene is there's not a lot of hierarchy. There's not a lot of, well, you know, the CEOs all hang out together and these people, there's, there's not a lot of lines that are drawn. You can go to any sort of tech event, like the, the Austin high tech happy hour or something like that. And you will find all kinds of people. You'll find founders, you'll find investors, you'll find people who work for the services companies that, that sell in. And then when I go into these companies and, and do training, everybody's really respectful. There's not sort of, there, there might be some places I've gone where they're like, oh, well, we're the valley. 
and uh, we're, we're very much this way. And I'm not dissing everyone in any particular place, but I definitely think that we have a, a cool and inviting vibe in Austin. So I'm glad that, that you have experienced that in your short time here. Absolutely. You know, I, I can't agree more. So what advice do you have? I mean, you're not the entrepreneur behind this organization, but you work closely with Doug. What advice do you have for people who either want to go start their own business and because of who you are and, and your role, or you want to go to work for somebody in that type of role? So two-part question. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs and then the advice you have for people who want to work for entrepreneurs? I think, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, it's, a, it's kind of humbling to try and answer that. But I think, you know, one side of it, I would definitely say for the entrepreneur, surround yourself with good people. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of you are the, the founders with a great idea. Um, get, get, you know, get, get the folks around you that can, that can make that idea happen. Um, and, and it's okay to kind of, you know, let, let your baby go, if you will, um, and, and, and let it grow with, with folks that are experts in the field. Um, you know, building on, on uh, one of your podcasts uh, earlier this week where they talked about get a lawyer involved, get an accountant involved. They definitely agree with both of those. And then looking at getting some subject matter expertise in around operations and sales and marketing, these things are critical to take your idea and launch it. Um, and then looking at folks like myself and where you want to go work. I mean, for me, um, th- there was kind of a three-point uh, system that I needed to, in order to take the next step. One was I had to believe in what we're doing and, and not just the dollar signs, but believe in what we're doing. And it had to matter to the world. The second piece is who are the people that we're going to be working with? Uh, you know, wh- wh- who are the folks that we're serving and who are the folks that, that, that I'm going side by side with? Um, so those, those and, and those two points. And, and the third point w- was around um, a level of autonomy and a, lo- a level of, uh, you know, uh, um, a lack of restriction where we have uncharted territory where there's a green field that we can move forward to. So those are the three things that I looked for um, when, when thinking about um, you know, joining a startup. It doesn't mean it's the only three, but they, you know, it mattered to me. And then all three of those have come up in spades here, here at Your Six. Well, I kind of like the one that you said where, you know, as you looked at a company, you wanted to make sure that they were doing something that mattered to the world. Uh, let's, let's look at that. I think especially today, I think especially with some of the younger, you know, uh, the younger millennials and the new Gen Z's who are coming into the market, that's a thing that you see in the surveys all the time is that they want to work somewhere where they're making a difference, where, where it matters. How can people find that? How, how, I mean, what, what's the process in order to find a company like your six that's doing something that matters to the world? Yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, I think it starts with knowing yourself. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to plug our stuff here, but you know, if you if you take a if you take some sort of assessment, so you know yourself, you'll be able to know what matters to you, um, and from there, then you can reach out and see who's addressing what matters to me. So for some people, it's you know the environment. For some people, it's uh, you know fair trade. Some people, it, you know, there's all sorts of uh, there are different different things that you can take. You know, for us, it's, for us, it's about the veterans. So you know, whatever that is, then you can go find organizations uh, that that support that. Um, I mean. That would be the kind of very practical, linear approach. I'm sure people have got better thinking processes than me to get there, but uh, that's where I would approach that, definitely. So, you know, as you said, at Year 6, it's, it's about the veterans. So what are, what are some challenges that veterans face in moving into the private sector? Because people who listen to the show, some of them might be looking to hire people, and maybe they haven't thought, oh, yeah, duh, there's this whole talent pool here. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the largest um, – challenges that, that we that we've solved here at Euro Six is really that translation problem. What does 
what does uh, a, a military record mean in corporate terms? And what, we, what we're doing is minimizing that risk for the HR person to bring that person forward to the hiring manager. Um, before, you know, if they weren't comfortable with the resume, they weren't going to put them forward to the hiring manager. And so there's that trust. And so with our system that combines, you know, AI ass assessments and machine learning, we'll be able to put those two pieces together to help the HR uh, manager feel comfortable saying, hey, you know what, um, you know, Johnny or Susie has what we need in the role, um, regardless of the experience, let's just move this across to, to give them a chance. And so, you know, minimizing that risk, I think that's a huge gap that I see. And then, you know, access to access to positions as well. I mean, the, the as you know, the hiring system as we know it is, is, is quite broken. There's there's the roles that matter. There's thousands of applicants, and the roles that 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 you know have less applicants. Uh, you know, people aren't going towards it. So, you know, the the there's a lot of uh, there's a gap in how the system is built. And so, we're, we're trying to address some of that. Well, I recently talked to a, a person who hires a lot of people and historically has hired a lot of people. And, and he said the problem with all this AI and not what you guys do because you're using the AI to, to write the resume. But the problem with the hiring AI is that they, they go to these places to source candidates. And he says what it's doing is it's taking out the human piece. And when he thinks back 20 years ago, some of the best hires he ever made were people who didn't match up on paper, but there was that vibe, right? There was that thing where you sat across the table and you said, oh yeah, she's going to kick ass in this company. So you sort of threw out the the, the baby with the bathwater as far as your, your plan and you hired the person you felt was the right person. And he said, now we never see that people because their resume and the, you know, the program that we use to sift through those thousands of resumes isn't giving her a shot. So, you know, what, what do you think about that? You know, I, I agree, and I think you know the, that's the key component of, of what we do. One of the key components of what we do is is putting that personality assessment in there. That's measuring the vibe. And um, so, you know, what what, our, what Lillian brings forward is it gives you a measure of competency, character, and chemistry. So we can capture your friend's gut and put it in a statistical system because we're measuring personality traits, not just resume keywords. And so it's, it's the complete 360 system that, that allows us to kind of address some of that. I, I get what, what he's talking about in, in the, you know, the resume parsers and those things that are just going to match words to words and bring you forward the person that has five years experience, not four and a half or four and a quarter, but only five years experience. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's where we, we solve some of that. And I think he, he's absolutely right about the, you lose a bit of the human touch. We bring that back in, um, especially with folks that understand what they need. Um, a lot of our clients now are asking for cultural fits. Um, I don't care about competency and experience. I mean, you know, are they Google worthy? Are they Amazon worthy? Because that's the way we you know there's a, that there's a certain culture there. And so with our system, we can measure for what, what makes someone an Amazoner, if you will. And so with that, you, you can turn, you know, you, you can give them a much clearer picture of now that I know that they've got the cultural fit, I can train the rest of these things. So as I've been working with, you know, uh, teams and going in and doing some team training stuff, one of the things is I've been really sort of parsing who is really successful and who's not, and then what makes some people more successful than others. One of the weird things that has sort of come up of lately is, is that both entrepreneurs and the people who work in entrepreneurial companies, the people who are really thriving, they seem to have these two little overlapping traits. One is they trust themselves. They trust, you know, they believe in themselves. And number two, they like themselves. How important do you think that is to an entrepreneur and to someone working in an entrepreneurial venture? 
I, I, I think those are you know definitely uh, you know I'll take your word for it. I haven't run across those those two components. I think one thing that we see again and again when we do those types of benchmark studies with with large sample sizes of hundreds of people, we're we're looking at you know self management is critical. Those that can that have learned at an early age how to self regulate, self manage from a discipline, from an emotional control, from controlling what you say, all the levels of self management. Those have been the highest correlators to success. But I definitely get where you're going. You know that that trust issue. Do you trust yourself? Because then others will trust you, and do you believe in yourself? And others will believe in you. I mean, I think that makes plenty of sense. Um, it's a core facet of what we do. Is we have we have a system that can take a thousand top performers and figure out what makes them tick and break that down to that secret sauce. And let's hire for that secret sauce, or let's coach everybody to be like our our, our best in class folks. And so that's part of what the, the U.S. Air Force is doing with us. We're looking at their airmen and saying, you know, what does it take to, to rise up through the ranks? That once we know what that looks like, we can we can uh, on people who are enlisting, we can start helping them on a career path to get them where they need to go. Because we know what success looks at, like at each level, and we can target or curate the training and and coaching that they get through through the military programs to be targeted to them. Tom has different needs than Jason. Let's not put them in the same training because it doesn't make sense. Hmm. That, that, that's, uh, that's awesome. So, so you have worked as an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs and you're with this really entrepreneurial growth oriented company now. So in, in my work with people, I always talk about how do we get across the gap that exists for so many people between potential and performance because we get excited about potential but potential doesn't mean results and at the end of the day you know we can have all the systems we can have everything in place but if, if we're not having results eventually the company and the individual are both going to fail so how come and you've had enough time in, in a series of different places you've been to see people succeed and people fail what do you think that delta is that allows some people to cross the gap from potential to performance why other people get lost in the abyss yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the short answer is execution. Um, but, you know, how do we get there? I mean, you know, you want to set up, you want to set the person up for success is how I would describe it. So someone who's got potential to be X, Y, and Z, you need to put them in an environment that allows them to show that potential. I mean, somebody with, we've all, we've all experienced the situation with a stifling manager who, who is, you know, holding you back. You still have all the potential in the world, but the environment that you're in doesn't allow you to do so. You can even be in the same role with a different manager and suddenly blossom. So I think we're talking about setting up people for success, um, understanding what it is about their character and chemistry that will allow them to succeed. So do they need a the hands-on manager or hands-off? Do they need lots of direction or, or little direction? Do they need pats on the back? No pats on the back. I mean, these things are you know, a couple of quick uh, uh, t tidbits there, but that's that's the type of thing that I would describe when I'm talking about setting someone up for success. And it's the biggest failure for society when somebody with potential is 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 not able to execute on that. And it's not a personal thing. I would very I'd say half the time you can blame the actual person. The other half, it's the situation. Yep. No, and that's what that's what I find in my research is is there are lots of things that hold people back. And it's, it's, it's the situation, it's the person, it's the people they surround themselves with. There's, there's all kinds of things. It's fear. Number one thing that people tell me holds them back is, is just this natural, you know, thing of fear. And they don't know what it looks like if they take it to the next level. And so they self-sabotage or they don't even take the chance. You know, it, it reminds me of a, it reminds me of a, of a project that we worked on where Lillian was a great help. This, this is a, an Air Force contractor and, and they have projects that they put together. And, and there was an 18 month project that they needed, they needed to pick from internal engineers who they're going to put on this team. We put Lily, we put Lillian on the case 
system and her and the system went in and looked at the comp competency character and chemistry of certain team members and we built a team that produced that 18 months of work in six months so these are engineers that they knew they these are not from the outside these are people that they've been working with and, and understand them but there, there's still that x factor that comes from our system that was able to pick, put the right people together to create the chemistry um, of a good team and i think that's what you're, you're talking about there as well is you no know, key we hiring the right person for the role is, is one half of it the right person for the the manager and company is the other half you need to have it all together in in one puzzle piece so yeah, I mean, I think it's a great it's a great point you make, and it reminds me of that success story we had. So Jason, I've got a couple more questions for you, but first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jason Rigoli. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you listening, I know that you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Jason, I call this show Cool things entrepreneurs do. What's the coolest thing you guys are doing right now at Year Six? Um, we're building. We're building something that's that's the first of its kind. And I, I'm I, I'm going to broad you know paint some broad broad picture here, but uh, you know, can't get into too much detail. But <laughs> imagine an online marketplace which has both thousands of of candidates in there that have been completely screened and vetted from an assessment competency character point of view and also has jobs already lined up um, and then going to corporate organizations and saying you know hey Hertz hey Amazon we have you know 50 veterans that are lined up to these 50 jobs of yours and they're a 98 percent match based on our system um, will you pay a monthly fee to join in so this is the kind of concept of what we're building it's going to be first of its kind once the veteran piece is fully proof of concept, it can be expanded to civilian where everybody can be on there. Um, it kind of takes, kind of breaks, you know, breaks apart or disrupts the system of job boards because rather than having just a job there, we're bringing both place, both sets of folks to the same place. Um, and it's the key of being able to vet the folks that, that, that is going to be the differentiator is being able to put them through the assessment and competency framework so that we can say, you know, do, can they actually do the job with a level of statistical certainty, not just, hey, these two resume um, words match. So, you know, that's something that's in being built as we, as we speak we're, and, and, you know, that's being shopped around to, to, to some of the folks in the military, specifically because, you know, as we know, uh, most innovation uh, in our lifetime has come via the, you know, the, the military and, and their uh, and you know public funding. Let's call it. I mean, I'm stealing somebody else's idea there. That you know, most innovation comes via public funding. But really, I mean, things like the internet were invented by the military, and then we get them now. But this is, it's the same kind of thing. So they they have a broader mind to allow uh, for innovation, and so we're 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 trying to start the process there for the for the betterment of society. That's awesome. So. I have one last question for you, and that is, I love to ask people this question, is who do you admire out in the world of entrepreneurship? Because we could talk about you, we could talk about Doug, we could talk about your six all day long. But I think good entrepreneurs and people who work in entrepreneurial ventures, I, I think they're observers. So when you look out into the world of 
I don't know, let's call it the entrepreneur sphere. Who do you say, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool things? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to cop out completely from this answer, but, but I mean, what, what I, what I, where I see, what, what, I, what I'm in, inspired by are those that are doing the, the socially, uh, socially responsible businesses. I mean, I can't name one off the top of my head, and I know there's a, there's a catchy buzzword for it, but I can't remember what they're called. But those that are building businesses that are socially responsible uh, for, for, for social good. Um, you know, and, and so those are the folks that I respect because they're really climbing an uphill battle that, that we can all clap for. <laughs> No, I Did think, you know what that? Can you remember what that buzzword is? Well, there's there's social entrepreneurship and right. uh, and 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 things like that. But I think even if even if your cause isn't you know like your six, obviously your cause is that because you're serving veterans and, and and others, and you're you know you're reaching out and looking for ways to help people who you know come out of the military, and some of them do have things like PTSD and other stuff. And so I think your cause is directly tied to that. However. Any type of business, I think, can can have a social cause to it. One of the things I did when I started uh, my path as like this corporate trainer and, and speaker who goes into companies, one of the things I did is I just tagged a couple of little percentage points of my earnings uh, of my top line to uh, a charity. And what we did is we created what we call the Kate Singer Endowment for uh, Cranial Facial Research. So my youngest daughter, who is now 17, and, and by the way, she's fabulous. She has no repercussions from this. But as a child, she was born with a condition where the bones in her skull had fused together. And we had to make some really tough decisions. And we had to put her through extravagantly invasive surgery where they removed pretty much much of the cap of, you know, half of the cap of her skull. And they told us it would probably grow back. Um, you know, I always joke, wow. I always joke like, what part of that is not reassuring? You know, probably. Uh, but it did. Her head is now shaped more like a cantaloupe than a watermelon. You would not know by looking at her unless I really pointed out her scars under, under her hairline that she ever went through anything like that. And we were fortunate. And I just believe that if you're an entrepreneur and you're fortunate, you got to find your way. So 12 years ago when I started speaking, we started giving just a little teeny you know, percentage point here and there to uh, what became two separate funds, one at Dell Children's Hospital in Austin, Texas, and one at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego, where Kate was operated on because she was born before we had the Dell Children's Hospital here in Central Texas. And uh, what's happened is, is it was $50 here, $100 there, $75 there. And on her birthday, we asked people to donate 10 bucks, 25 bucks, 100 bucks. And we did that every year now consistently for, gosh, maybe it's even 13 years and the total is now over seventy thousand dollars. Well, wow. I'm not rich. I'm not making a million dollars a year. I don't. I don't have my name on the wall of hospitals per se. But as an entrepreneur, by tying it to my business, we were able to do that. And and I've talked about it on this show before. I did a TED talk last year called "The Art of Giving Small," and it's about how you don't have to be rich to have an impact. And so, you know, I, I, I admire, I admire your answer about social entrepreneurship, but really all entrepreneurs can be social entrepreneurs, even if they're selling, you know, ballpoint pins. Absolutely. No, I mean, and, uh, kudos to, to you for, for, for doing that. And, and definitely, you know, I'm sure Kate somewhere is saying, daddy, you're embarrassing me, but, uh, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's really I'm, used to it by now. I've told this story so many times. She's used to it. Somebody came to me once and said, <laughs> you know, you, you, you shouldn't tell that story. That's Kate's life, not yours. And Kate was like, I don't remember a time when he didn't tell that on stage or on a podcast <laughs> or, and, and she actually said, you know, Hey, if I take this over when you retire and I start giving just a percent or two, could it be a million dollars in my lifetime? And, you know, so that's sort of, I think her goal is over the next, you know, 60 years, how do we turn the Kate Singer endowments into, you know, million dollars? 
Absolutely. I mean, we just run, run the analytics on that. How many years are it going to take? How much we need to give a year? Uh, That's right. That's where my mind goes on it. And, <laughs> and I, know, and I still go, I still go on to social media on her birthday and ask people to donate. And I'll be honest, when we first started doing that a decade ago, a lot of people didn't do that. And we'd raise like $2,000 or something. And now there's so many asks for money that we get like hundreds of dollars, uh, not thousands of dollars. But at the same time, you add that up over, you know, decades and that becomes real, real money. So, so absolutely, you know, and absolutely. so, so I admire that. So, Hey, this is the show that is produced by the Austin, uh, technology council. Do you have any final words for the, the Austin community or the general community of cool things? Entrepreneurs do it all. Any, any parting thoughts? Uh, just, just a big thanks to yourself and, and to the ATC. I mean, and you know, to Austin community themselves, the, the, how welcoming they've been to, to us as an idea and to me personally. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, cannot be more uh, pleased with, decision to get to come here and to work here and then to and to be part of this great community so if somebody's listening and and maybe they think hiring veterans is a good idea and they want to find out more about you're doing maybe they are a veteran and they need to know they need the help they want to know what you're doing or just in general they want to find jason rigoli or your six how do they find you Absolutely. Yeah. Feel free to reach out. I mean, uh, Jason at your six USA.com. Not all phone numbers are appropriate on the, on the podcast, but uh, you know, I think that's a good place to start. The website is obviously your six USA.com as well. And that's your, the number six USA. Correct. Yeah. So Jason at Y O U R six USA.com. That is awesome. Well, Jason, again, thank you for jumping on and, and being here and sharing the story of your six and your ideas about entrepreneurship and how people can thrive. Uh, I say it every week that we, we strive to find guests who are going to bring unique perspectives and help people just sort of stretch on their own journey of entrepreneurship. So thank you so much for being a part of it. And the pleasure, pleasure's all mine. Yes. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every week. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So if you like cool things entrepreneurs do, I have a favor. Go out and do two things. One, subscribe to it on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Number two, go tell a friend, either in person or on social media. The way people find this show, and I ask people all the time, how'd you find this show? And they said, oh, a friend told me about it. My mom told me about it. My boss said we all had to listen to it. So make sure that you're helping spread the word because uh, I can't do it alone. So we have a Facebook page that you can follow, which is Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We're on all the social medias. I am at, at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. And then also there, uh, there is its own Twitter account, at Cool Podcast, because this is The Cool Podcast. So tune in in a couple of days when we're going to have an interview with somebody just as cool as Jason. And I know you're thinking, where will you ever find anybody that cool? But we will. Uh, but in the meantime, go out there, challenge yourself, make sure your ladder's against the right wall, try new things, push yourself out of your comfort zone. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.